of Overeaters Anonymous, but I'm really not sure of what it stands for. Um, but what I'm going to, we will not be meeting in this forum uh, next week. But I also want to remind everyone <clears throat> that tonight in the United States, we are going to be changing our clocks. Now, Arizona does not observe daylight savings time. We don't change our clocks in Arizona. So here's what that means for you. If you are not in the state of Arizona, if you are outside the state of Arizona, <clears throat> every one of the meetings, my weekday meetings from Monday through Thursday from 5.30 to 6.30 and the Sunday meeting that starts at 6 p.m. are all gonna be Pacific time because Los Angeles, California, all California is gonna catch up to us. So we're gonna be on Pacific time until next <clears throat> November, sorry. Everything is blooming here in Arizona. It's really spring. And so my allergies are just, wow, they're just really out there right now. Okay, so what that means is in two weeks, this meeting, unless you are in the state of Arizona, will begin one hour later than it has been starting during the winter. So just govern yourself accordingly. Daylight savings time begins tonight or tomorrow morning at 2 a.m. And that's when it begins. And so you can govern yourself accordingly. Okay. We have been talking about a lot of different things. And we have been talking about the steps as they relate to everything. And we've talked about the promises over the last couple of weeks. And one of the things that a lot of you hear all the time is living in 10, 11, and 12. Living in 10, 11, and 12. You hear that all the time. You probably can't go to a meeting of OA or a meeting on, well, vision is OA, but you can't go to a meeting of OA and not hear that. What we're going to begin today is the process of how to live in 10, 11, and 12. We're going to be discussing how you do that because a lot of you may be confused about how that's actually done. So today we are going to discuss that and we're going to be talking specifically today on step 10. Now, from the time that we were born, from the time we were little, little babies, people looked at us and they gave us advice and they were well-intentioned, loving, wonderful people, wonderful people. And they told us what we could be if we just worked hard enough, we could be doctors and astronauts and we could be pictures for the Cubs and we could do great things. And that's great. And that's what you should do. And I would, you know, sometimes when you want to see is something true, look at the polar opposite, look at the 180 degree opposite. If telling us that we couldn't do anything was good, no, that wouldn't work either. So that's a good thing. And if you go to your local library or you go to your local bookstore, one of the things that you're going to see a massive amount on, or if you go online, you want to order a book and you type in Google uh, self-help books, 
you are going to find more publications, more books than you could read in a lifetime. One of the most popular genres of book is self-help. And if you look at most of these books that these people write, what they're telling you is what you can do, how you can be successful, what you need to do to be successful. And that's great. That's fantastic. And when you were a kid, if you're anything like me, from the time I was a little kid, people would say to me, now, Harlan Grabowski, if you just had some discipline, you wouldn't eat so much. Oh, if you had some discipline, you wouldn't look like that. You wouldn't be fat. Oh, Harlan, if you just discipline yourself, if you just had some willpower and on and on and on. You know what no one told me until I came here? No, you can't. This is beyond you. This is beyond the Ken. This is beyond your framework of knowledge and power. You have not got the power. What does chapter four tell me? Lack of power. That was my dilemma. Well, you cannot do this on your own. You cannot. You have not. You will never be able to do this on your own. It's not going to happen. There is no way, there is no how, there is no possible book you're going to read that's going to teach you how to defeat your eating disorder. Now, there's one book that I know of that tells you specifically that you can't do this. And that's the book I'm holding in my hand. And the title of this book is Alcoholics Anonymous. The only book I've ever read in my life that tells me, no, I can't do this alone, but here is how to tap into the power that can is the book Alcoholics Anonymous. I have a friend of mine, she lives in South Jersey and she has the same last initial as me. And she's a wonderful, wonderful gal. And she's a real student of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Many of you know her. And she has a father who was a Marine. I've never met this man, but I've heard about this man because I listen to this particular woman when she does her special editions or when she does you know, anything that I can hear. And this man was a, was a United States Marine. And he told his daughter that when you go into the Marine Corps, the first thing they have to do is they have to get the civilian out of you. What this process now is not beginning, what, but what this process is doing, <clears throat> it, is, it is accelerating the rate at which we get the civilian out of you. And when you were a little kid, when you were younger, you were probably taught not to air your dirty laundry, not to tell people everything that you knew. And I'm not telling you that you have to go down the street yelling out your bank account number, your routing number, and your passcode. I'm not saying you have to do that. But let's just take a look at something that we all know, and then we're going to take a look at the mechanics of aiding and abetting a recovery from this. What have we talked about umpteen times since we began? 
that the problem of the compulsive overeater is not food. Food is the solution to the problem. The problem is the buildup of everyday normal human emotion. And that the problem for the alcoholic is not alcohol, it is the buildup of emotion. The problem for the compulsive overeater is not food. It's the buildup of anger, fear, happiness, jealousy, remorse, regret, guilt, shame, fear. That is the problem. And in my mind, when those emotions build to a certain level, I call that level the red line of toxicity. The red line means now these emotions are unchecked. And what happens is they run amok through my ego. And as such, they will sound the alarm to the brain. And the brain will say, hey, send in milk duds, stat. Did you ever watch some of these uh, uh, medical shows like ER or some of the other ones that are on? What do they say? Get uh, Dr. Doolittle down here, stat. Get Dr. Fredrickson down here, stat. Right, right away. Yeah, get him down here yesterday. Well, why? Because they need him. The brain wants these Kit Kat bars inside of me. Why? Because my brain knows. Now it's aided and abetted because I have a built-in forgetter called the mental blank spot. Now, but my brain knows that a Kit Kat bar or a Milky Way bar or a pizza or what have you is going to make me feel better Instantly, who doesn't like instant service, instant gratification, instant results, instant this and instant that. We are a very demanding bunch. We want everything stat. We want everything right away. Send it to me yesterday. And food delivers instant relief from the untenable, unbearable, seething, debilitating, crushing pain of not eating. What we're going to examine today is a continuation of our program. You know, I cringe when I hear people say 10, 11, and 12 are the maintenance steps. Oh, I cringe when I hear that. And the reason that I cringe when I hear that is we're not maintaining anything. We are looking to grow. We are looking to grow in our effectiveness. We are looking to expand and enlarge our spiritual life. And we are looking to do it through service and self-sacrifice for others. We're going to look at step 10. And what step 10 will do is it will just as effectively, just as instantly, just as thoroughly remove this pain, remove the toxicity of these feelings, these emotions, as a Kit Kat bar will, with none of the devastating side effects. 
in this step, we are now going to begin a process of growth, not maintenance, of growth. And the way that we grow through using this step is we are going to learn about ourselves. We are going to learn about ourselves by hearing what goes on with other people and noticing patterns of fear, noticing patterns of selfishness, noticing patterns of dishonesty in ourselves. And we are going to further develop a feeling of not being a unique animal in the world, but being yet another bozo on the bus. So let's turn to page 84. Let's turn to page 84. And with what I've just said in mind, let's take a look at what it says in the middle of the page where it says this thought brings us to step 10. And when we see this, let's make note of the fact that three times in this paragraph, we're going to see the word continue, continue and continue. We're not maintaining anything. We're growing and we're growing along spiritual lines. And what we're going to do in 10 is continue. And what we're going to do in 11 is improve. And what we're going to do in 12 is practice. So we're going to continue, improve, and practice in these last three steps. And what we're going to do this morning is we're going to blow the roof off of some of the misconceptions. There's two of them primarily on step 10. We're going to blow the lid off of step 10. And I'm going to ask somebody this morning to do a live 10 step call with me. I can't really see who's on here, but I'm just going to let you guys decide. We're not going to do it right this minute. I'll let you know when we're going to do it, but be ready because I'm going to want to show everybody how a 10 step call goes and how quick it is, how thorough it is, and how effective it is. So let's go to step 10, page 84. This thought, what thought? the thought that we want to materialize these promises. We want to solidify our recovery and we want to grow along spiritual lines. This thought brings us to step 10, which suggests we continue to take personal inventory and continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. That's concept number one. And from time to time, I do go through a fourth step. I just went through, not just, but I went through months ago, I went through a breakup, which was very painful for me. I really miss this person. I really love this person. I didn't want this breakup. I didn't want the divorce when my wife divorced me. I didn't want a lot of things in my life, but I did an inventory and boy, it really did help me quite a bit. Now, separate and distinct from that, we vigorously commenced this way of living as we cleaned up the past. Now, the very first thing that we're going to blow the lid off of is, when do you start step 10? You don't start it when you're done with nine because you probably won't get done with nine if you don't have 10. It doesn't say we, we, uh, we vigorously commence this way of living after we cleaned up the past. 
It says we vigorously commence this way of living as we cleaned up the past. So the word as means concurrently and concurrently means at the same time with the same stroke of, of pen. We do it at the same time. And what steps do we use to clean up the past? Four through nine. So step 10 is not waited on until we're done with nine. Sometimes it takes quite some time to be done with nine because people may be hard to find. People may be hard to sit down with, to make amends with. So we do this step right as we're coming out of that inventory process. I begin people on step nine after the one hour period, after the fourth step, we get that one hour of quiet time after step five, and we do six, seven, eight, we start nine, and then I begin them on 10 and 11. So it's bang, 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 bang. And why do I do that? Because that's what it says to do in the big book. I'm old fashioned, but I don't trust my brain here. My cup is one that's not really very reliable and I'm not getting any younger here. So sometimes uh, my, my cup is saying, I hit my head against the wall because I can't even imagine what the heck is coming out of my mouth sometimes or what's going on in my brain sometimes. So I just follow the book and I find that it's easier. And it says, we vigorously commence this way of living as we cleaned up the past. So that word as is a very big indicator of when we do this. And the way the steps that we use to clean up the past, four through nine. So this process must be started at the right time, not when nine is done. And you'll hear a lot of people say, we work the steps in order. You don't do step 10 till you're done with step nine. I would disagree with them ideologically. I'm not saying they're bad people. I'm not saying they should be thrown into a, a vat of a, a volcano. I'm not saying that we should drown them. I'm just saying that I disagree with them. And it says it right here in the book. Now, we have entered the world of the spirit. Notice that spirit is in capital letters. And what does that mean to me? It means to me that while I'm doing step 10s throughout the day, and while I'm taking 10 step calls throughout the day, my relationship with God is getting closer. My consciousness of God is getting closer. And when I say to myself that my next, I've entered the world of the spirit, what I also mean by that to me, to me is I am becoming the person, I'm becoming the person that God saw from the very beginning. You know, when I was a little kid, I don't think I was who God really wanted me to be. I was under the gun of a, of a disease that I didn't know I had. My temper was different then. My fear level was different then. My brain was different then. <clears throat> I couldn't see past food. I couldn't see past any of these things. I was very, very stymied by my fear. I still am to some degree, so I have to work at it. I have a hard time having a good time. I'm not sure how to do it. 
I have a really hard time believing that there is someone out there for me. But every day I hold God's hand and I do the best I can. Every day I have a hard time coming to grips with the fact that I'm still working and there's no retirement in sight, but I know somehow, some way, if I keep reading that first paragraph on page 63, that those third step promises will come true for me too. And they are coming true for me and they have come true for me. But I am now the person that God wants me to be. And the sound of my footsteps as I walk away from things that God does not want me to be around, people, places, and things that are not good for me becomes very, very harmonious. I feel that I am now the person and working on being that person that God wants me to be. I feel it in my bones. I now say yes when I mean yes and no when I mean no. I don't flood my emotional level with fear of what people are thinking of me because I know that they're not. I'm not paralyzed by a lot of these fears that I had. And I don't live in the guilt and the shame and the remorse of hoping that you didn't see me yesterday going to McDonald's or the day before going to Burger King or the day before going to the Kentucky Fried Chicken. I don't worry about who sees me going anywhere that I go because I don't go anywhere that I'm ashamed of. I don't do the things that I used to do with food. I don't do the things that I used to do with money. And so I don't live in that guilt, that shame, and that remorse. When I was new in program, a very, very, very big man with a foul mouth who I love dearly, he taught me something. He said to me, If everywhere you went today, if everything you said today, everything you did today, everything that came in and out of your mouth was on the front page of the Chicago Tribune, are you okay with that? You know, it's been a long, long time since I wasn't okay with that. I'm okay with it. And that makes me very, very happy. It makes me happy because when I told you that we're going to knock the civilian out of you, what we're specifically talking about is we are now going to be open and forthright. We are going to be forthcoming in what is going on with us. You've heard this a million times. You're as sick as your secrets. So we are going to break down those barriers that tell me that I have to keep everything a secret, that I have to keep everything to myself, and that will kill me. And specifically, the reason that it will kill me is my ego loves that. And my ego will do the dirty work and will send me into the food. And it will tell me I can handle this. And I can't. My ego will kill me. So I have to be ready to be forthcoming. And my first reaction still sometimes is not. But my first reaction now is I better make a call. 
It's not to bury things. I ask my sponsees a question every day. They get asked a couple of questions every day once they're in 10, 11, and 12. And the first question they get asked by me is, what did you decide to keep secret to yourself today that you don't want to tell me? Let's talk about it. And they know I'm going to ask them that question. They know that I'm going to ask that question. So sometimes they laugh and sometimes I say to them, now that may be a cute story, but what's the real answer to what I'm asking you? Tell me something that you've decided already you're going to keep a secret so that we can talk about it. They know they're going to get asked that every day. We vigorously commence this way of living as we cleaned up the past. We have entered the world of the spirit. Our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. In other words, we're not maintaining anything. Maintenance would suggest that we are looking to, to just establish a status quo. We maintain machinery. We maintain our car. When we maintain machinery, that means we keep it going. Hopefully, it will run as efficiently as it ran before. But there's no known way to make your car run yet like a new one once it's old. The parts are all, you know, older. But in our lives, we're going to grow in understanding and effectiveness. And that would suggest strongly that we're not staying the same. Let's remember something, boys and girls. This disease is progressive. This disease is permanent. And this disease is fatal. It is permanent. It is progressive. And it is fatal. And so Every day, I also ask my sponsees, given that you have a permanent progressive illness, what are you doing today on yourself that you weren't doing a week ago, a month ago to expand your recovery? Because what I see so much of in OA is resting on our laurels. We like to settle in to a level of service. We like to settle in on something and we settle in and we get tackled from behind and all of a sudden somebody's gonna say, hey, what happened to Mo? What happened to Larry? What happened to Curly? They're out there eating. And the reason that they're out there eating is they confused step 12 often with steps 10 and 11. When I was a little boy, I used to get very, very jealous and angry because a lot of my boyfriends flew on airplanes and saw things I've never seen. I was in my 20s or 30s before I ever saw an ocean. I was in my 20s before I ever went on an airplane. My family couldn't afford that. There was nothing we could do. And I went on an airplane and I thought, oh, this is the coolest thing. There's two things I used to think were very, very cool, which are both a pain in the butt to me now. I used to think driving a car was the coolest thing in the world. I remember I could not sleep the night before my birthday in 1970 because the night before my birthday in 1970, 
I knew that the next day, May 24th, I was going to turn 16 years old and I was going to go down to Elston Avenue in Chicago to the Secretary of State's office and I was going to get my driver's license. Oh, what a day that was. Oh, what a day that was. And I was driving a car legally on the street and on the highway and I was driving and I, oh my god you you couldn't get someone more excited now i hate it now i oh i have to drive there oh and i especially hate driving in phoenix oh well i'm not even going to talk about los angeles because when i get off the plane in los angeles my blood pressure goes up 10 points i have to bring extra blood pressure medication because you just see in los angeles it's just gridlock one time i was staying in pasadena california and I was speaking in someplace else. It was another, I think it was Santa Monica or something. I don't remember, but they put me up in Pasadena, California. And it was 10 o'clock at night before we finally got done. We didn't get done till five or six o'clock. And then they took me out to some Meshuggah place called Jerry's or something. And we were eating dinner there and we're having all kinds of conversations. And it was 10 o'clock at night on a Saturday. Hand to God, if, if I'm lying, may the Cubs never win another game as long as I live. Hand to God, 10 o'clock at night, I'm going in a car. And if you've ever driven in a car with my sponsor, your prayer life will go to a whole other level because he's crazy. He used to drive, he, he was from New York. He drives like a freaking maniac. He's nuts. But anyway, we had to go to this hotel. And then in the next morning, we had to get back and blah, blah, blah. 10 o'clock at night, Los Angeles, California, white lights as far as the other eye, as far as the eye could see in one direction and red lights as far as the eye could see in the other direction. Gridlock, 10 o'clock at night on a Saturday night. <clears throat> Sigazin in such a laban. What that means in Yiddish, have you ever seen such a thing in your life? 10 o'clock at night, Fayez, Mir, when do these people sleep? Anyway, I digress. But when I go on an airplane, it's a very belabored metaphor I'm using here. I'm, I must be crazy. But anyway, when you go on an airplane, they have an Al-Anon meeting on the airplane. Yes, they do. You may not have seen it. You may not have noticed it. It's quick and you better be paying attention. They have an Al-Anon meeting on the airplane because the flight attendant will come out and say, put your mask on first before assisting someone else. That's a great Al-Anon meeting, isn't it? That's a fabulous Al-Anon meeting. You put your mask on first before assisting someone else. And that's something that a lot of people do not do. They overwhelm themselves with service to others, but they lack concern for where their own program is going. And that can be very, very dangerous. This is not an overnight matter. It should continue for our lifetime. I um, remember I was telling you about this lady who lives in South Jersey. She's a great lady. And I met her at a retreat that I did in a place called Mount Laurel, New Jersey. That's where I met her in the flesh. 
And when I was in Mount Laurel, New Jersey, another lady who uh, is on vision all the time, and she wouldn't mind me telling you that her name is Naomi. She, she loves when I tell this story and she, I have her full permission to use her name. She was new in program at that time. I'm going back now six, seven years. And she came up to me right before lunch and she said, may I call you when I'm done with the steps? And I said, no. And she looked at me like I was the purple people eater with three heads. And I said to her, when you're done with the steps, you're gonna be dead. And as far as I know, there's no phone in the box. You're gonna be working steps for the rest of your life or you're gonna be eating double cheeseburgers, french fries, pizza, cake, and whatever else you like to binge on. Those are your choices. Recovery is not a destination, it's a journey. And it's a journey that is the most precious, joyful, wonderful, God-given journey of a lifetime. It is a wonderful, wonderful journey. And we can take it together. What does it say? Trudge the road of happy destiny. What does trudge mean? Does it mean schlep along? Does it mean, uh, you know, limp along? No, trudge means to walk with purpose. To walk with purpose. That's what it means. And there are 151 of us on the line right now. And we're going to walk right with you. Let's continue. It should continue for our lifetime. Notice it doesn't say it should stop with a certain birthday or stop with a certain activity. Continue to watch for selfishness. These are the specific instructions on how to do a 10-step call. This is a little different from the beginning of the paragraph where it talks about a written inventory. And the next thing we're going we're gonna to blow off is that 10-step is usually not something that is written, it is spoken. Continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. What step did we use to deal with selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear? Step number four. When these things crop up, not if, when we are human beings, Clancy Immeslin should rest in peace. And when he was at the North Scottsdale Fellowship Club, I saw him there twice. When he was at the North Scottsdale Fellowship Club, he and I had a wonderful conversation. And all of this information about how food is the solution rather than the problem because of the buildup of emotions, that all comes from Clancy Immeslin. He taught that to me in a room where we were just the two of us at the North Scottsdale Fellowship Club about five or six, seven years ago, eight years ago, whatever it is, when he came here to speak. It was a wonderful, wonderful night. And I was so thrilled to finally meet him. I was just so excited, just so excited. Well, what he also 
also said to me in the course of our conversation is something I'm going to quote Clancy on right now, that no matter how evolved your recovery gets, you will never rise above the level of a human being. And as a human being, selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear are going to be a part of who we are because we have instincts of life. And if they could be fulfilled all the time, no, we'd be fine, but they can't be. Somebody right now may be doing something you would rather they didn't do. Maybe somebody is saying something you'd rather they didn't say. That makes you human. That doesn't make you a bad person. That just makes you human. When these crop up, we ask God at once to remove them. That's steps six and seven. So we've done four, six, and seven. We discuss them with someone immediately. Now, does that mean, here's the other thing, we're going to blow off the 10 step. It does not happen in the morning and at night. That's step 11, not step 10. Step 10 is done all through the day. When these things crop up, we ask God at once to remove them. We discuss them with someone immediately, step five, and make amends quickly, eight and nine, if we've harmed anyone. So we've worked so far, steps four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine. Then we resolutely, what does resolutely mean? With purpose, with purpose, to resolve. Resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help, step 12. See, we're already in step 12 now. We're only on 10, but we're doing 12, right? Love and tolerance of others is our code. Now I'm going to dare you. I'm going to double dare you. I'm going to triple dog dare you. And if you've ever seen that idiotic movie that I can't stand it, they run it on Christmas, like day and night on TBS. It's called A Christmas Story. And the kid says, he triple dog dared me and he couldn't resist a triple dog dare. Dumb movie, but good, good little scene there. I'm going to triple dog dare you. And what I'm going to triple dog dare you to do is to do this step four, five, six times, whatever, however many you need per day and eat candy. You cannot do it. Your brain will not send you into it because it won't see the need for it. You will already feel better. Now, it's hard for me to see who's on here. I can't always tell. And while I'm talking, I'm trying to think of what I'm saying. And I don't have the time or the energy necessarily to, to scroll through here. So I'm, I'm not even, and I, it's hard to read and, and think, you know, you get old, this, this stuff happens here. I'm already 66. I'll be 67 here in about 15 minutes. Is Carol from Los Angeles on this line? If she's not, we'll go another way. If Carol, would you unmute yourself? I'll give you about 10 seconds here to let us know that you're here. I don't think she's here, Carol. She's not here. I don't think she's here, Harlan. No. She's not here. No. She's not here. Okay. Uh, Somebody who wants to do a 10 step, somebody who wants to do a 10 step call. Harlan, Uh, my. This is Nancy, my phone. Nancy, I can do one with you, Nancy. Okay. Okay. Call me up and let me know what's going on. 
Let me know what's going on with somebody who's making you angry. Let me know somebody who's, who's getting you upset. Let me know what's going on. Okay. Uh, let me think here. Um, okay. Uh, I will say my, my oldest son, my oldest son is making your, me upset. Your oldest son is making you upset. Now notice guys, I don't need a whole scenario here where she's rehearsing it and going through it and going around it. Her oldest son is getting her upset. Would you give me just a headline of why he's, what he's doing to make you mad? He criticizes my food. He criticizes your food. All right. Now with that in mind, let's go to continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. I'm going to take Nancy through here. Nancy, what's the first defective character jumping to the surface when, when your son criticizes your food? I will say uh, fear. Nope. Selfishness is first because he's not sticking to your script. It says okay. here selfishness is first. What's the dishonesty? What's the lie you're telling yourself or someone else? Well, I think the lie I'm telling myself is that my son has to approve of everything I do. Correct. That's a lie we tell ourselves. So we're identifying where she's lying to herself. You can lie to others or you can lie to yourself. Now we have some resentment. What's the fear here in this scenario where he doesn't like your food? My fear is that he doesn't respect me. Doesn't respect you. So we're equating respecting his mother with liking the food she's cooking. Maybe he has a different taste. Maybe because he's been out of the house for a while, he's developed different tastes, different palates. He may like different food now. I don't know. I'm sure at one point he liked your food, but now he doesn't. Okay, let's ask God to remove the defects of character. If you do okay. it silently, let me know when you're done. If you do it out loud, that's fine. But if you do it silently, let me know when you're done. <clears throat> I, am, I am done. You're done. Okay. Now let's make amends to your son. In other words, if you were rude or obnoxious to him or you were upset with him, clean it up. And now let's resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help love and tolerance of others is our code. Now, Nancy is going to hang up the phone with me and call someone else and not mention anything about her son. Nothing, zero, nada, nothing. And now she's going to feel a lot better. Hopefully, if she doesn't, she can do another one. But the bottom line is, do you see how quick this process is? She's identified that she's lying to herself, that just because he may not like her food has nothing to do with whether or not he loves his mother. It has nothing to do with that. And she's going off thinking, if he doesn't like my food, he doesn't like me. And the two are not linked. It's that quick. And yet, it purges out the toxicity of these emotions. Unless you want to hang on to them for some crazy reason, or unless this is very important to you to hang on to them, because what's the payoff to hanging on to them? You don't have to take responsibility for your own life. Why do we love a good resentment? A good resentment means I do not have to take responsibility for my own life and I can blame others. 
That's why we love it. That's why you hear people identifying themselves. Hi, I'm Mo. I'm a chronic relapser. Hi, I'm Curly. I'm a chronic slipper. Why do we love that? Because now I can feel sorry for myself. Now I don't have to perform. I can just sit in the corner and feel sorry for myself. And that's not going to help anybody. That's not going to do much for anybody. You know how to not to become a chronic slipper? Put the food down. Get a sponsor. Work the steps. If you have outside issues, get help. Do what you need to do. This is not a dress rehearsal. This is life. This is it. There is no do-over. There is no other chance. You're not coming back that we know of. Okay, let's continue. So we see step 10 and we see how effective it is. We see that this is not a long process. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. I work in a big office. I'm very important. I'm an important man. I'm an important woman. I can't be taking time off of work to do this thing that takes almost three minutes. You found the time to cruise the break room for your fourth trip through for donuts. You found the time to go past the, the desk that had the M&Ms at Christmas time. You found the time to find the birthday cake that was still in the break room when it was Curly's birthday. You find the time to recover. They have cathedrals in all these buildings now. Some are marked men and some women. He's so Go good, isn't he? And with us, somebody's unmuted. Go in there and with a cell phone, you can call someone quietly and do your step 10. Recovery is easier today than it has ever been because of the massive technology that fits right in our hand. Bill and Bob, the guys behind me and the guys in Akron and the guys in New York would walk over to someone's house. Many of them didn't have phones. Some did, some didn't. It was the height of the depression. And when they would walk over to each other's houses, they would share their meager resources of food and whatever else they had. And at the very least, a little camaraderie and a little conversation. They found a way to recover, many of them. Some not so much. The more things change, the more things stay the same, I guess. What are you willing to do? You don't need to come over to my house here in Scottsdale, Arizona to do a 10 step. You can call me on the phone. You call anybody you want. What are you willing to do and when are you willing to do it? Because this is a very, very simple step. 
Nancy called me up and she said to me that she was upset because her son didn't like her food, didn't like her cooking. We got to the heart of it real quick. We got to selfishness, which means he wasn't sticking to the script. We got to the dishonesty. What was the lie Nancy was telling herself? That the love of, his, of her food is the same as the love of her. And that's simply not true. There's a lot of people I love. I'm not going to eat their food and they're not going to eat mine. Doesn't mean I don't love them. Doesn't mean I don't think they're wonderful. It just means I don't like the way they eat and they don't like the way I eat or they eat things that I choose not, you know, I not choose, but I don't, it's not on my food plan. It's simple and it's effective. Just making the effort makes a difference. Walk to God, make the call. You're not disturbing us. We're already dangerously disturbed. No, you're not disturbing us. We need the call more than you need to make it. So what we're breaking down here is this insane urge to keep everything a secret to keep everything swept under the rug. And all we're gonna get is a lumpy rug. So we're like my friend in South Jersey with the same last initial as me, who does big book. You all know her if you're on vision, she's wonderful. But she said that her father said that when he was a Marine, the first thing they have to do when they come into the Marine Corps is break down the civilian in you. We are breaking down that civilian in you. You've got to be forthcoming with what's going on in your life. You've got to be more forthcoming. Otherwise, you're gonna be back into the food because these emotions are not gonna dissipate on their own. They're gonna to continue to build and build. You can either let the emotions continue or you can continue in your efforts. But the key word is continue. Continue, continue, continue. Let's see if we have the time to at least do the first paragraph in these 10 step promises. Now, what is the most common question on a vision for you? It's a common question here. We're gonna to get to that in about eight minutes, nine minutes. And Nancy or Maria or Sue or Pam or somebody's gonna take us through that. But what's the most common question asked in vision? The number one question that gets asked at least once a week is, what's the difference between recovered and recovering? What's the difference? People come in, they don't know. The difference is these 10 step promises, are they coming true for you? Are you in a place that matches up to what we're gonna read? Let's do the first paragraph and then we'll turn it over to these ladies and we will begin the questions and answers. And we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol. Are you still fighting battles that don't exist? Are you still fighting the Democrats? Are you still fighting the Republicans? Are you still fighting the other side? Are you still fighting your mother-in-law? Are you still fighting your son? Are you still fighting these battles? 
on April the 29th, 1865, about 100 miles east of New Orleans, Louisiana, a skirmish broke out between forces of the North, the Army of the Potomac, and the Confederate States of America. And there were some men killed and even more were injured, some maimed for life. Now that had happened hundreds and hundreds of times over the last few years because the Civil War was a very violent war. Why was this so horrible? Because on April the 29th, 1865, as these two armies faced off against each other, what they did not know is that on April 9th, 1865, 20 days previous to this, Lee surrendered to Grant at Appomattox Courthouse. The war was over. When I was a little, little kid in the 60s, World War II had been over with for 20 years. And every once in a while, you'd hear about something going on in the Philippines or Guam, where one of these Japanese soldiers had holed up and would not give up his position for fear of death. And one poor bastard, one poor guy, they found him someplace on, in the Philippines. They had to get his uh, commanding officer from Japan. The war had been over for 20 years. They found his commanding officer and the commanding officer had to come there to the island on the Philippines and tell the guy, hey, the war is over. Hey, the war's over. You don't have to fight your mother-in-law anymore. You don't have to rehearse a resentment against your ex-husband or your ex-wife anymore. It's over. For by this time, sanity will have returned. What step has the word sanity? Step two. And if you're around me any length of time, you'll hear me say that the two most underutilized steps are two and 10, and the most misunderstood are three and four. Step 10 that we just went through is the most underutilized step of the 12, and two and 10 are the most underutilized. I know people, they call me all the time, they were in recovery for a period of time. They went back into the food and I'll tell them you weren't living in 10, 11 and 12 and they don't know what that means. No one ever explained it to them. Sanity. Notice it doesn't say sobriety. Notice it doesn't say abstinence. Notice it doesn't say for by this time weight loss will have returned. It doesn't say that it says sanity because I have been injured in areas of my life that I didn't even know were broken. And then I started working these steps and little by little over the course of years, these things began to heal. And I didn't even know that I have a little social anxiety, that I have a little fear, 
that I have a little trepidation when it comes to playing and having a good time, not quite sure what that means, I'm not quite sure how to do that, that I'm over inhibited and that others seem to be less inhibited in certain areas than me and I need the help of other people. I didn't know that about myself, now I do. And that explains a lot of things for which I didn't have an explanation. I didn't really understand so much about myself and I didn't really learn it in a book. I learned it by doing this program and talking to you and you educated me and you taught me where I was lacking. Even though you may not have meant to teach me that, that's what I learned we will seldom be interested in liquor. I am seldom interested in food. I do three miles in the morning, six days a week. And one of the things that's on my route is I walk past one of the largest bagel bakeries in Scottsdale and oh, the smells are just intoxicating. They're just intoxicating. And I walk real early in the morning. Now I'm gonna to have to start walking even earlier because I'm gonna go from the vision meeting in the morning starting at 5 a.m. Now it's gonna start at 4 a.m. So I actually have to even be up earlier than I normally would be. So it's gonna take a little getting used to I'm not exactly gonna be a rolling ball of energy next week. Trust me on that one. I'm gonna be walking around like this most of the week because it does take my body a little bit of time to adjust to the time zones. I, by the way, even though this is a complete outside issue, I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say, God, I wish they would just knock this crap off with this stuff. It's so stupid. Uh, every once in a while you see on Facebook, you see this Native American guy and he's, there's a sign there. It'll say only a white man would think that by cutting the, a foot off the bottom of a blanket and sewing it to the top that you now have a longer blanket. And I have, I wish they would stop, stop this crap already. But anyway, I, I digress. Please forgive me. It is an outside issue, but as long as they're going to do it, of course I accept it. And if I've offended anyone, I'm sorry. Okay, we're out of time. We're gonna we're gonna pick this back up.